We have uh, families here. We have kids here. And we're going to talk about what goes on in your home. What goes on in your home? I want you to stand up and share what goes on in your home right now. Uh, wouldn't that make for a lively service? Uh, so I, I was, if I went into your home this morning uh, as you're getting ready to come to church, uh, what went on? What went on? What, what was happening? I hope you had breakfast. I hope you uh, uh, had some sweet family time and like it was just calm and exciting and everyone was pumped to come to church and everyone could find their shoes and everything was just happy. Nice words were said to one another. Um, that may or may not have happened. Some of you said, well, th- there were no harsh words said in my house. Oh, you live alone then, right? Uh, you live alone. Uh, uh, I think that's our only, uh, our only option, right? Sometimes it's difficult to live together. In fact, uh, if you notice, the, the wealthier you get, the bigger your house gets. Um, because you think that that's somehow going to solve the problem. Uh, if I have my own room and she has her own room, uh, well, somehow, and then you get a bigger garage so you can go spend more, like you, you spread out and you think that that's somehow going to uh, solve the problem. And maybe it does to some degree. You think about it with kids and you say, well, if they each had their own room and they had their own stuff, that it would so- somehow solve the problems. But eventually they're going to have to come out of their rooms into the common areas, Right. And uh, that's where it happens, sometimes in the kitchen or in the living room. or uh, These are the things. And you say, well, uh, we don't really fight at our household. There's no fists that are swinging and uh, stuff like that, especially if you're retired. I encourage, shouldn't be happening at this point in life. Uh, but uh, you, you say, well, there's really none of that. But this morning, I'm not going to talk about fists. I'm going to talk about words, words. And the words that we share with one another. And I want to tell you, the, these words that we're talking about here this morning are appropriate for us here in the church. Things that we should say to one another. But I, I want to tell you that church isn't the greatest display of Christ doing a work in you and it coming out. The greatest display is in your home. Uh, it's easy to come. Uh, it should be easy for us to come and to meet with one another for a couple of hours a week and be able to hold it together. And some of you put on a good face and you can say the right things. But chances are where that's tested is when you go home, uh, when things don't go your way at home, when your spouse doesn't do or say what that you want them to say when your kids are not obeying you as you want them to and not quickly enough. Uh, they're not doing that. Or when your mom or dad doesn't say yes when you want them to say yes. In fact, they're very clear that it's a no. Uh, these are the times where this, this comes out. And I, I want to talk to you. I want to give you five phrases this morning that I believe are in the heart of Jesus, and he would want to transfer those to you. He's in the process of transferring these phrases to you that you could say them to one another. Some of you might uh, sit here this morning and say, well, uh, 
we don't talk very nice to each other at our house. I don't even know how that works. Uh, others of you would say, well, the house I grew up in, I'm an adult now. We, there was a lot of yelling. There was a lot going on. And nobody talked nice to each other. So I don't even know what it looks like. This morning, I'm going to give you five phrases that we should learn. I, I wanted to say they're lines, but they're not just lines. Uh, lines, when I think of lines, I think of actors or salesmen. And they do something so that they can, uh, uh, they're faking it or trying to sell you something. But this is not something that we're trying to sell. This is something that Jesus does in our heart and it comes out through our mouth. And so uh, this morning, we're going to look at some verses that talk about what we say, the words that we use, the mouth, the tongue, okay, this morning. And so I'm excited to share this with you. You can turn over to 1 Peter chapter 4. That's going to be our first passage. But I want to give you some uh, passages before the ones that we look at, okay? So there's going to be five things today. I, I could have done 20. In fact, I want to tell you that these are my five, my five. And I believe that the, the Lord's working in your heart and life and has taught you things that you can add to my five. In fact, if you want to share phrases that you think that Jesus wants you to use in your home, uh, please share those with one another. Share them at, at your home. Uh, you can even hit our Facebook page uh, this afternoon and share those. And I think that would be beneficial for our church to hear words that should fill our mouths uh, because they come from a heart that's been changed by Jesus. In James chapter 3, we'll get to 1 Peter, but James chapter 3, uh, there's a chapter on the tongue. And James tells us some things through the inspiration of God that the tongue is. And it's, it's filled with deadly poison. Uh, it's like the idea of controlling is like bits in a horse's mouth. It's a rudder on a large ship. It's the spark of fire that sets the whole forest ablaze. If it can take out a whole forest, it can take out your home even quicker, right? Uh, that these are these, these words, these loose words that are hard to control. And he, he also says it's like a beast that can't be trained, an animal that's so difficult to get control over. Have any of you tried to train a puppy, you know, and you think that that's going to work? Uh, in a few, uh, they just wreck the place, and they, they have no conscience about it. It's kind of like your tongue, you know. It's the idea that it's hard to get control of. And so this morning, uh, we want to keep that in our mind, that this is a difficult, difficult task. In Psalm chapter 19, David prayed, verse 14, he said, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And I, I think as we begin this morning, I, I want that to be our prayer. May the words of our mouth may they be acceptable to the Lord. And that's the thing, kids. This is the important thing. You may go to school. Uh, you, you may hear things from other kids in the neighborhood. And they may talk a certain way and say certain things. And you, you may be even allowed to say things in your home. You, you may be allowed to say them. But this is the most important thing, kids. This is what we should remember. It's not whether it's allowed. It's not whether it's okay to say at school. It's not whether even you, you, you just, that's part of what you've always done, but to say, are the things coming out of my mouth, does God approve of them? Is this something that he wants me to say? 
Is this the, the way he wants me to talk and, and say things? And, and parents, this is for you too. Uh, boy, uh, you know, kids learn from their parents. They learn from them more than we want them to, right? Uh, as things go on, you realize that as your children grow up and you, you, you want to ask them, where did you learn that? But don't ask that question too quickly because it may be from you they learn to speak this way. And so we want to be careful. We want to think about our words and realize that as Jesus is a work in us, that it should come out through our mouth. It should come out the way uh, we speak. And, and if we're speaking something that is wrong, it also is the opposite is true too. We realize that there's more, more work that needs to be done. It reveals uh, where our heart is at. In Colossians chapter 4, verse 6, it says, Let your speech always be gracious. It's in the midst of talking about us living in an ungodly world, but he says, let your speech always be gracious. And you, you need to ask this question as stuff comes out of your mouth. You say, was that gracious? Does this reflect the heart of Jesus? It, does it reflect uh, this idea of soothing over and making it okay? Or is it something that is not gracious? It's stirring up. It's hurting. Um, so we, we get these entry thoughts here. And this morning, I want to tell you, we communicate all the time in, in amongst the church and in the family, right? We're communicating all the time. It's interesting to me, uh, I think about this often. Uh, so I'll be in counseling, whether it's marriage or uh, uh, some different family situation. And one of the things they say often in counseling is, uh, it's bad communication. It's bad communication. They're, they're just not communicating with one another. And I want to tell you, I, I've found that it is bad communication, but most of the time it's very clear communication that's the problem. And they're saying things. We're saying things how we feel. We're letting our feelings out. You never tell me about your feelings. Yeah, you, actually, you told me too much about your feelings. I didn't want to know all that about your feelings, Okay. It, it's not, we communicate all the time, and I want to tell you that, that as Jesus works in us, it will change that communication. And so for us to be a willing participant with the work of God this morning, I want to give you five ways to talk, five phrases for families. Um, and once again, come up with your own, too, as you think through, how does Jesus want me to talk uh, to my wife? How does Jesus want me to talk to my husband and my children? How does Jesus want to uh, work in me that I would be the benefit? And I want to tell you this, one other thing. Um, as we communicate, ask yourself this question. Is it pleasant for my family to hear my voice? Not is my voice pleasant, you know, because are the words that I am saying a blessing to my family around me. That's a very important, a very important test as we look at uh, what God's doing. Um, this communication is by words. It's by actions. It's by presence. It's by tone, body language. Sometimes your body language is screaming, right? Uh, screaming bad messages. So as we look at this, uh, these are the hearts. And I, I want you to take these and make these your own. The first one is this. It's in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8. Uh, I want to... You can write this down. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. 
to, for you to have this in your heart. It's okay. First Peter chapter 4, verse 8 says this, Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Hear, that, hear those words. Love covers a multitude of sins. It's okay. It's okay. You know what's going to happen in your home? Or should I say, you know what happens in your home? Or should I say what's happened in your home? is this, that there's going to be people falling short all the time. There's going to be people who fail miserably all the time. And it's not just that they fail themselves. It's we fail one another. We, we fall short in our love and our care for one another. Our selfishness and pride takes over. And so we fail one another miserably. And what should your response be to the failure of your family? When your family fails you, what should you do? What should your response be? You should point it out, right? How are they ever going to learn unless you point it out for them? And I learned in college, you know, if you really want to remember something, you take a highlighter and you highlight it, right? So you first point it out, then you highlight it. Then uh, you, you point at it over and over again, and you say, you missed a spot. You blew it. I don't ever want you to forget this. Is that how we deal with failure against us in the home? You say, are you asking an ideal, what God wants me to do, or in actuality, what usually happens? Careful, right? For us to get in our heart and make it come out of our mouth, a genuine looking at our, our family members and say, it's okay, it's okay. You've failed, it's obvious, everybody knows it, but it's okay. First Peter tells us that love poured out, love, love what it looks like is this, that we keep loving one another and love covers a multitude of sins. And I want to tell you, you in your household, I know this from personal experience, this is a testimony, there are in your household multiple sins. It's not just every once in a while. You will have opportunity after opportunity to cover over sins in your home. But chances are, in our flesh, we say, no way, I'm not covering over anything. In fact, I'm pointing it out. I'm highlighting it, putting the spotlight on it, and then I'm pointing at it. And if I can, I'm going to grab their head and shove their nose in it. I want to tell you, one of the phrases that you, that you need to get in your heart and your mind, it's okay, it's okay, to put people at ease and say, we can cover over that. Because of what Christ has done on the cross, it's okay. It's going to be all right. Your failure does not throw you aside. Your failure is not something that I will remember. I will cover over it because of what Christ has done. You're falling short. You're failing miserably uh, is something that will happen over and over again. Along with that, if you turn over to Colossians chapter 3, 
starting at verse 12, 12 and uh, 13. It's good to see Katie Stokes here today. She just got back from Mexico this last week. Hi, Katie. Share with us in a couple weeks or something. Awesome. Cool. Um, Colossians chapter uh, 3, verse 12. It says this, and I love these words here. These, these words are the basis for the action, okay? Verse 12 says this, Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. And then he says this, Bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must, you also must forgive. Um, the, the other phrase, the other thing that you should have in your heart, ready to go at any time, ready to be extended is this. Boldly and clearly looking them in the eyes and saying, you're forgiven. You're forgiven. I let go. I let go. I'm ready and willing to extend forgiveness for the big and the small, for the single instance and the pattern of a life that you would be willing and ready in your heart to know that you can look people in the eyes, your family members, and as they have offended you, as they have sinned against you, as they have hurt you, to say this, you're forgiven. You're forgiven. Kids, get good at it. It's going to be a lifetime, a lifetime of people sinning against you. And for you to be ready and willing. And do you, did you get the basis for that? So, so you have this compassionate heart, this patient, this long-suffering, this idea of bearing with one another. But so, so those are the things. But why? But why? Why do we get this? Because he has forgiven us. He, he has forgiven us. He wasn't willing to hold on to that which we was just. Like, have we sinned against God? Sure. Absolutely. Multiple times. Uh, the same sin over and over again. And what did, in Christ, what happened? He forgave us. And so for us, it's not just that it's okay, but we can look them in the eye and boldly say to them, You're forgiven. You're forgiven. Parents, your kids need to hear this. Your kids need to hear this. They need to see it displayed in you. You're forgiven. You're forgiven. Kids, guess what? Your parents need to hear this from you. As they come to you, and they will, and it's embarrassing. You think when you get to be a dad or a mom, you've got it all together, and yet we prove that over and over again that we do not. And so kids, as we come to you, we, 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 we share our failures. We share where we have blown it. We share where we have come up short. And for you to be able to, as a child in power, look at your mom and dad and say, you're forgiven. That, that these are the words that should fill our heart. You can say it in many different ways, but the boldness to say, you're forgiven. You cover over sin and you forgive sin because of Jesus, because of what he has done. We turn over to Galatians chapter 5, uh, the third one, okay? So we have, it's okay 
It's okay. You're forgiven. Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. Words that should be readily available in your family and in our church. And these are all connected with the work of Christ in us. As he does a work, we're free to be different. We're free to be changed, okay? And so uh, it's replacing the old language with the new language. It's the, the old heart that was doing their own thing with the new heart that's been changed by Christ. And, and so in Galatians chapter 5, verse 13, it says this, For you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. But through, so, so Christ has done the work in you. He's freed you. But this isn't freedom to do whatever you want. But this is freedom to serve one another. To serve one another. For us to say to one another often in our homes, think about this right now. I'd love to help you. I would love to help you. If you were raised in a home uh, that you had more than one sibling, uh, it, it's always, uh, you're always wondering if it's your job, right? Uh, and, and you're wondering, like, who's going to pick up those shoes and who's going to have to feed the dog and who's going to have to clear the dishes? Who's going to have to, uh, you know, clean the garage? Who's going to have to do this? And, and you're always trying to protect, and you're always saying, it's not my job. It's not my turn. It's not my, my responsibility. Those aren't my shoes. That's not my dishes. This isn't, I, I'm taking care of myself. But, but the heart of a believer, the heart of Christ says this, I'd love to help you. I'd love to help you. And, and how do we know this? How do we see this? Well, well, this. Uh, in, in your home, when you see someone struggling with the task, say to them, I, I'd love to help you. I'd love to help you. Can I help you right now? I'd love to be a part of this. I'd love to serve you. And you say, oh, I don't love serving. I want to tell you, it's the heart of a believer. Jesus served us. He did what we couldn't do. And, and as we, he has changed us, we now become a servant. I'll even say it this way. We now become a slave. And, and who do you think the Lord wants you to serve? I think he wants you to serve quite a few people, but definitely your family. Definitely your family. If, you, if you're unwilling to serve your family, you've missed your greatest mission field. You've missed it. You've, you've missed your greatest opportunity to serve. It, it's really the only one you really know for certain that you're supposed to serve. As a dad, you go, oh, I don't know. I don't know what the Lord's called me to. Your wife. He's called you to your wife. Serve her. And you say, well, you know, as parents, you know, I, I, I don't know what ministry I'm supposed to be about. It's your kids. It's your kids. Uh, they have the same last name as you, Okay. They live in your home. God has made it pretty obvious that they're yours, right? In fact, sometimes it's scary so obvious it's made it, you know. It, it, it's, it's freaky, you know. But, but he wants us to serve them. He wants us to serve. 
And this attitude, uh, not as a, a servant who's like trying to get out of it, trying to push it off to somebody else, but the heart of a servant says this, I'd love to serve you. I'd love to help you. I'd love to serve you right now. I'd love to give to you right now. I'd love to serve. As we look at this, we realize that this happens all the time in your home. I, as I'm sharing this, I, I know that you're, you're thinking of different ways and you're going, oh, I blew it on that. I blew it. This is why these words need to be in your heart. It's not just saying words, but it, it, it's the idea that this is my heart. This is the heart of Jesus as he's working in me that I'd love to serve. I'd love to give you a hand. I'd love to help. That was number three. Number four. Uh, if you turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting in the middle of verse 24. And this is in the church. This is in your home. This is what, uh, how it all comes together. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 24, in the middle there, it says this, But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. And the, the phrase I'd give you is this, I'm on your team. I'm on your team. I'm on your team. We have a partnership. As you consider your family, as you consider the people that you live with. Uh, this may not be your phrase that you use, but something like it should be, I'm on your team. I'm not against you. You're not alone. I'm on your team. I I'm with you. We have a partnership. We are a family. We are a church. I am with you. And Jesus, it's interesting to me that he didn't just come and mail it in from heaven. He didn't just send salvation down to us. He came. He was with us. And he came and he, 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 sh he shared life down here on this earth. So why? So that we would know that he was not apart from us, but that he was with us. He was with us. And I want you to get this phrase. It's very important. So, so he pictures the family as a body with no division. He pictures your family as different members, separate members, but together, together, united. You, you look at a marriage, and in the book of Genesis, what does he say? And the two will become one flesh. There's, you can't be much closer than that, okay? He, he gets this picture that you're together. And, and for us to articulate to one another, to say it, kids, often, as you, you see your mom struggling, as you see your dad struggling, you say, hey, dad, I'm on your team. I'm with you. I'm with you. As you see members in your family struggling, to remind them, I'm with you. I heard alongside you. I rejoice with you. You're not alone. You're not alone. That was number four. That was number four. I'm on your team. I'm with you. And lastly, um, as, we, as we look to God's word, Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. 
as you think about this list, once again, you're going to come up with some great ones. I'm excited to hear from you uh, the things that you believe are the heart of Christ and, and how he's worked in you, some phrases that we need to share with one another in the family. But this last one that I have for you is from Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25. And God's word says this, And let us consider how to stir one another up toward love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. This last phrase I want to give you is this. With the Lord's help, with the Lord's help, you've got this. With the Lord's help, you've got this. It's this idea that we encourage one another. We encourage one another. That we are cheerleading for one another. Uh, kids, it, it, it's sometimes scary to do the things that you do. You sometimes feel nervous inside. Whether you're going into a weird situation or you have to go to the dentist and, uh, or you know, you, you're going to a birthday party and you really don't know many people or you're starting into a new situation and you're, you're a little bit fearful. Parents, what, what do you got to tell them? What, what do you have for them? With the Lord's help, with the Lord's help, you've got this. You've got this. It's taken care of. It's in the bag. With the Lord's help, it's going to be okay. Kids, you know what? Your parents need to do this. Do any of your parents worry? Kids, raise your hand if your parents worry, if you know your parents worry. Come on, kids. You, you, you don't have to. It's not embarrassing. I already know they do, you know, because I'm a parent. And sometimes they get all stressed out and worried. And you know what you can say to your parents, kids, is this. With the Lord's help, you've got this. It's going to be okay. With the Lord's help, you've got this. I, I want us to remember this. In this passage in Hebrews chapter 10, it's very interesting to me. I, I've known this for years, but it, it always strikes me as interesting. He says, all the more as you see the day drawing near. It's this idea that we're going to need it more as the days go on. It's not something, you know, um, why don't... Um, Adults go to school. Have you ever thought about that, kids? There's really a s simple reason. They can't learn anymore. You know, uh, it's their brains don't work as well and they're, they're past hope, you know, and stuff like that. Uh, no, but, but there's a sense in which y you don't need to learn to read after you've read, uh, know how to read anymore. And, and math, there's only a certain amount of math that you need in life unless you do certain jobs and those people are odd. And anyways, but... Um, you, you get past the point where you need that education. Kids, I want to tell you this. You're never going to get past the need for encouragement. You, you're never going to graduate. You, you're never going to say, oh, I don't need that anymore. In fact, we're going to need it more. We're going to need it more as the days go on. And as we see that day drawing near, it's going to get more difficult. And as it gets more difficult... We need to get better at encouraging one another and saying, with the Lord's help, you've got this. With the Lord's help, you've got this. One last thing I want to share with you. This is my conclusion to you this morning. Maybe, maybe uh, you'll get really excited about this 
and you'll say, you know, this is the, this is the way I want to talk in my home. This is the way I want to talk to my spouse. This is the way I, way I want to talk to my grown-up kids and my grandkids and my mom and dad. And this, this is what I want to do. And so you're going to try really hard this week, and quickly you'll slip back into those old habits. And you, you'll say, I can't change. I can't change. I can't do it differently. I'm from a long line of people who speak harshly, and it's never going to change. I want to tell you this. Jesus went to the cross so that he could change you. And you can't do it on your own, kids. You can't do this without the work of Jesus. And so we cry out to him, say, Jesus, change me. I need you. I can't do this on my own. Please change my mouth, the words that I say. Please change the thoughts that, that those words come out. Please do your work in me. And as Jesus does his work in you, guess what? You will change. You will change. Please join with me in prayer. Father God, thank you for this morning, the blessing of being together as your church. God, I ask that you would uh, do the work that we cannot do in our homes. I ask that you would show us how we can speak differently to one another. God, I ask that you'd give us encouragement along the way of progress and also utter dependence upon you that we would know that we can't do it without you. God, convict us where we are wrong and allow us to take the old off, the words that we used to use, and replace them with words that come from you. God, thank you for this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much. For